Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for Lucky 171. The now, 170 number ever. 170 was lucky, but it's nothing like 171. Wow. It's Are one better. On one, did you skip one? It's one better. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, so um, I know uh, you want to jump right into the topic because we're actually recording this Sunday night. And it's due Monday morning, and uh, normally we don't record on Sunday nights, but somebody left me hanging on Friday. I kind of did. On Skype, all by myself, lonesome, <laughs> twiddling my thumbs. All by myself. <laughs> Wondering. <laughs> looking out the window as, as, as rain was hitting the window panes, looking sad. Wondering, why am I alone? <laughs> Isn't someone else supposed to be here with me? Why, why does the fat one hate us, my hobbits? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we're doing this Sunday night because you left me high and dry. Uh, yeah, I did. I'm, I apologize. And here we are now, and our brain only works half as good on a Sunday night, right? Well, especially for you because you're, you're, you're an early morning person, not a night person. Dude, like, so the head office for NAM is on the East Coast. <laughs> like in their office. <laughs> Email me like at eight, and I'll be hitting them back at like five, and they'll be like, "Whoa, dude, <laughs> I'm up." You know, you should tell them. Actually, I have an alarm every time I get an, an email from you guys that it wakes me up so I can address it right away. Please oh, don't dude, fire me. Would, Please don't that would fire be me. So good. But uh, hey, I just want to say that um, I have been working on the Jump School training series. This is the videos. That we uh, that we did for the Kickstarter mm. and the study guide, and I can honestly tell you that I'm probably more excited about this stuff than I am about anything. And I literally had nothing to do with either the videos <laughs> or the study guide. Well, homeboy's going to Hollywood. I mean, these are he's got some skills, man. He's definitely done some cool stuff on this. But I mean, like even the study guide. Is really good. Yeah. And I'm yeah, glad I made cool. you go back and redo parts of it. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> can, I, can I take credit? Yeah, you can. <laughs> Since and, I didn't do and, a thing and. on it. Hey, I'm glad I sent you back to the grindstone. <laughs> this isn't going to cut it, Peyton Jones. Redo yeah, it. Absolutely, man. I'm telling you what. And and, and it's got some cool uh, visuals in there. Man, I love what we do. It's good stuff. Yeah, so I am... Um, I actually, because I've got a publishing company, I've had it for years, 
I was actually debating whether or not using uh, CreateSpace, which is Amazon's self-publishing arm, or doing it through my traditional company because I I created a company back in 2004 and got it, you know, all the contracts with all the distributors and so you know, I can put out a book and and it'll be in it'll be available to all the bookstores. No one's going to carry it, right? Cuz no one knows who Pete Mitchell is or the authors that I I publish. Sure. But uh but anyone who walked into like a Barnes and Noble if they found one they could say, hey, I want that new Pete Mitchell book. And they could special order it for him. Yeah. But now CreateSpace pretty much does all that. So I was actually going to use CreateSpace for the first time and just see, you know, what their process was like and stuff like that. But uh, but my my printer who I use, they sent me an email. And they're like, hey, we got a special deal right now. Uh, if you order 100 copies, we'll give you free title setup. And I'm like, free title setup? All right. Nice. You got me. I'll go back with you guys. I already know nice. the system. Yeah. So I uploaded everything to them on Friday. And uh, I think probably by Wednesday, they'll be good to go. And I'll probably have the proof in my hands by Friday. Oh, man. I can't wait to hold that thing. Yeah. And just, yeah. So what are you excited about? I mean, looking at the at the movies, because you've, you've got them now in your hot little hands. With, uh, what are you excited about? You know, I think what I'm most excited about is... I really, I just like the whole package. I like what we're doing. Mm. Like the way, and for all of you guys who don't know exactly what we're talking about here, what we're talking about is uh, jump school. <laughs> Everything is jump school. <laughs> I just can't help but laugh because <laughs> the little Lego people come out and start dancing every time we say that. Yeah, if you guys don't know, everything Peyton does, he calls it jump school. And so it's like next to impossible to keep them like separated. Yeah. So I renamed it jump school training series because I'm like, we got to call it something so people understand the difference between this because we've got jump school. What I'm going to refer to as jump school proper. Yeah. Which you can all find the course, it, the yeah, online course, the right? online course, right? We got the band of brothers call, which is a part of jump school. We got, uh, well, now we've got Jump School Training Series. It's a seven-video series designed for you to train your core team. So you get to, that's the number one question. Okay, how do I train my core team? Great. I got, you know, three other people, four other people, six other people, ten other people who are ready to start down this, this church planning path. Or, you know, we've started down this path. We really don't know what we're doing. No one listens to the podcast but me. They're the smart ones. You know, how, how, how do I train them? And so you actually, long before, I don't know if it was before we met, but certainly before you and I were doing anything, you started putting together this training series, which is all based on World War II imagery. And, and you know, you guys had like legit actors act out scenes. Yeah. You had your your guy who's now gone full Hollywood do the filming and the CGI and uh, stuff like that. But it's designed so you can walk your core team through, like, the whole startup phase. And so the study guide is meant to be a companion piece to the videos. Mm. So you can read the study guide. right? It's, bro it's broken up into seven sections. Very easy read. Anybody could read it. Yeah, and it actually follows the exact subject breakdown of the video series. So um, it really is a study guide to accompany the um, – because, I mean, I've written tons on church planning. Many people don't know that uh, Church Zero started off as a church planner training book, and what Church Zero was was just the team aspect of it. And, uh, and the guy that was my agent was like, Hey man, you know what? I, I don't know if church planning is that big. This is back in 2011 and church planning was really kind of, you know, I remember at the time thinking he doesn't know, but, uh, but this isn't just stuff that we have on church planning. This is literally, um, stuff that matches up with, uh, the series and some of our good old fashioned, uh, church planner training that we give. It's a glimpse into the course at certain parts but it's also unique. And it comes complete with discussion questions. Yeah. So when you get together with your core team, you can watch the video. Hopefully they've already read that section on it. And now you're going to go into the discussion questions, which, you know, there's various amounts of discussion questions and you've actually broken it up uh, 
in the uh, in the chapter, but I, I think I'm looking at that a couple of different ways. One, it's such it's such a great way to get your team on the same page. And I was actually thinking about it today. I think it's good for not just guys who are about to launch, but you know, perhaps uh, a church that has already launched. And it's like, okay, yeah. how do we how do we wrangle our core team back on tap on track? Yeah. You know, which is reaching the loss. That's our goal, reaching the loss. Absolutely. And even, you know, absolutely. A leadership team could go through it again, you know, even if they've already uh, planted. Because the reality is so many guys were never trained. And so many core teams were never trained. If the number one question that planners have is, hey, I got a core team assembled. What do I do with them now? Um, if, If they don't know what to do with a core team, besides just get them ready for launch, which you know, that's the lowest common denominator. Um, then really, you know, obviously there's a lot of untrained leadership teams out there that really probably don't even understand what the planner himself understood. And the planner probably didn't know what questions they were thinking, or he didn't anticipate what they would ask if they knew how to express what was, you know, their fears, their you know, their, their anxieties about launching. Um, and, and that's how we, we kind of reverse engineered it. I mean, you know, I've, I've planted now a number of times with, with core teams. I've trained a number of church planners over the years, and this is reverse engineered from, you know, if, if I were putting a title on it, like Pete, it'd be like, you know, the top, you know, seven dilemmas that core teams face or something like that. You know, he tried but, to uh, train his core team, but what happened next? You won't no believe. Click <laughs> <laughs> bait. But, uh, but here's, here's kind of the, the thing. Cause I know you guys are listening right now and going, Oh, great. Somebody else wants to take my money. <laughs> it's free. Yeah. Like we're giving the video series. And that's why I even told Peyton, I go when we were doing the Kickstarter, because um, New Breed, which is Peyton's organization, spent a lot of money putting together these videos. Can I tell them how much? I don't know if that's cool or not. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like 20 grand. Yeah. And we were coming down the home stretch, and, and Peyton needed the last basically six grand. And so we did the Kickstarter for that. And I was telling Peyton when we were doing the Kickstarter, I go, you know, Peyton, the difficult thing about this Kickstarter is we're actually telling them in the Kickstarter campaign we're going to be giving this away for free. <laughs> like, you know how hard it is to get people to give you money when you're like, by the way, if you just wait until we're actually done, you're going to get it for free. You ain't get it anyways. Yeah. So, um, but if you don't give, it ain't going to get made. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's no, not it's true. You know, you're asking people to give when they don't have to. So, uh, so, but anyway, we had some people step up, uh, 37 people actually stepped up, and gave enough money to get that six grand that we needed. We literally closed the campaign on the dot at six thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, and so you know, and then it took like an extra year because the dude got famous and was like, oh, "I don't want to do this for that little amount of money," and you know, <laughs> which I understand because that's like the story of my life, right? He was just so busy. That was the main thing. But you know, uh, we, we finally came up with the money and then he was like, oh man, my projects are scheduled till uh, the back of beyond. So yeah, yeah, we probably couldn't afford them now. Oh no, I'm sure not. Not when you guys see the CGI, you'll be amazed. You'll be like, you'll, you'll, you'll literally think that some big publisher put out yeah. this, this, you, deal. there's certain parts you don't know it's CGI. I mean, I, I well, know that's the whole CGI thing of CGI. Exactly. It's only because I, mean, I of, saw the blue tarp in the background. Do I know that that scene inside uh-huh. the plane was CGI? Uh huh. Yeah. I uh, I was watching it the other day, and people are like, "Dude, where'd you find that anti aircraft gun?" And I'm like, "Ching!" <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, that's that's the cool thing that, that the videos will all be free. The study guides won't be because those are actual hard cost to print those, but they're not going to be expensive. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and the cool thing is, is like, you know, if, you know, we're given the videos, you can, you can watch those with your core teams, but you know, the, the study guide actually unlocks the seventh episode. That was a bonus. That wasn't originally in, um, the finished series. And when we came back through, I said, you know what, that's important material that has to be in there because that, so is that the deal? If they get the study guide, they get the seventh. Yeah. They get the seventh episode. All right. I got to rewrite the web page. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, so the deal is, is that, you know, you get that, but it is actually, uh, it's, it's the number one reason. And I actually say that in that episode, but that was our prototype episode. And I had him go back and I said, no, man, this content's so good. And we didn't rework it back in. So we, he redid that episode. And uh, what was really cool, I mean, he, he, you know, he edited it down. They were a lot longer than we started, but they're 10 minutes. Um, you get the study guide. It's, it's like a chapter of a book that your team can read. They go deeper. And then at the and end And it doesn't that, matter if they're not readers. Okay, guys, because everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm not a reader. And yeah. I'm telling you, reading the study guide is quick and easy. It's like Church Zero. If you read Church Zero, it was written to be read. You know, I don't write stuff that's like. But I mean, even lengthwise, because it's the whole thing's only 102 pages. Yeah. And I know how many pages it is because I have to pay for every single one of them that gets printed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And so at the end of that, you know, we're asking questions that your team needs to be asking. You know, if if you maybe don't have the experience to have led them into those questions, we do it for you. Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's really cool. I'm really excited about it. Cause I just, I see so much potential with what we're doing on that. And well, nobody's done it, Pete. That's kind of the cool thing is when, when I first started telling people, man, we got a video series and planners, any planner who sees this is like, oh my gosh, like the, the, I feel like I've just given them like the nuclear bomb. Like, here you go. You know, see, because, cause I could totally see Ruben taking his core team through it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, most definitely. And and the funny thing is, is this is stuff I've been training my guys for years now. I mean, our core team went through this. My leadership team has been every church plant that I've been a part of, you know, not just the ones I've planted, but, but the guys I've planted, the guys I've trained, um, they've all gone through this material and it may not have been packaged in exactly the same way, but from 2008, when we did our first uh, church planner training retreat, it was called Jump School. And one of wait, the wait, one, wait, wait, what was that? It was called. Wait for it. This is surprising. It was called Jump School. Ah, blow my mind. <laughs> and at that time, it was only one thing. And I remember thinking, "That's such a good name. I choose that for everything." <laughs> and I made a vow that day, standing on a cliff. With the wind blowing in my face, not Dude, my. Hair. I still remember last week when I'm all, "What's jump school the book?" <laughs> I don't even know what that one is now. <laughs> jump school the musical, <laughs> that's coming next. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, by the fifteenth reality sure, show. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say by the fifteenth for sure that thing will be uh, probably up and ready. Um, and everybody who did participate in the. Uh, the Kickstarter. See, cause we had to give them something. So at certain levels, like they get a DVD. Uh, so these are going to be, they're going to be able to download them. But if you want the DVD, then basically you just got to pay for the DVD. I mean, that'll be like a thousand dollars a DVD, right? Cause you know, we yeah. got to make some money one day. So my goal with this is one day, I don't know when this is going to happen, but I am dying to do like Easter eggs for it. Like, um, like little extra, like director's commentary. Cause some of the stuff when we're filming this dude, there's, there's parts where like, we're doing the train one on the seventh episode. And I kid you, we're filming and we can see the guys coming down the tracks, like the security. It's like, uh, you guys can't make, and I'm quick trying to bust my lights out before they get there. And then they get there and they have a sign, all this stuff. They're like, Hey, you know, we, we got to release you from, you know, any kind of liability if you get hurt here. And they, they let us uh, film and they said, look, you know, if, if this becomes big one day, you know, and it makes tons of money. And we're like, nope, it's free. <laughs> They're like, well, you know, we would need a cut if it would. <laughs> is that what they said? Yeah. But but knowing Welsh guys, that was not official. This is just the guys working on the on the track that are wanting a little bit of, you know, pocket change in the back. Uh, That's so funny. But man, it was it was. And there are just so many. There's so many funny things about filming this, the water rising. We were in a pillbox on the edge of a cliff once. Um, we were, because uh, Britain has all that stuff. I haven't watched the whole thing. I haven't yeah, watched the I whole mean, thing yet. It's cool. I mean, there's a story about that one that I can't tell, but uh, there's uh, uh, there's times where like, we're filming someone and we're racing it? the tide. Was someone christen it <laughs> over the side? Come on. Come on. Let's just say... <laughs> It's one of those things you can't share on the podcast. 
<laughs> but uh, there, there's some great, man, if we did a director's commentary, it would be hilarious. There are times I am so cold that uh, we, um, I, I can't even tell you, like, in between takes, I'd have to wipe snot. Because Wales is cold. And we were filming in March. And there, there are times, man, where I'm just dying. We're on, we're in mountains. The, the, the part where, in the first episode, you can see this like old abandoned mine shaft that we're we're filming in, and it was an industrial grade mine shaft. And there's like sheet metal hanging in the wind, and that wind was blowing, man. And uh, anyways, there, there's just a bunch of stories we could tell. So anyway, guys, that's what's coming up, man. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be free. Also coming up in the next. Uh I I don't even know what month it's going to come up, but it'll be you know before June. That's for sure. Is uh, we're going to do another Church Planner Library giveaway? Yeah, like we did. And then if you guys haven't listened to the episode where we hunt down Travis, <laughs> Travis Lynn, man, because we he won. We the Church Planner Library is usually a compendium of like thirty different books, the best church planning books out there. Yeah. And we know how you pastors are. You're the anti-Pete. You love to read. Yeah, baby. You're not all about Audible like Pete is over here. It's gravy for the brain. So we're, anyway, Keep we're doing those another books one. books coming. Yeah, we're doing another one. And uh, Except this one's bigger. I mean, this is kind of a, it's an bigger even more and ambitious one. We're getting the, the authors to give us uh, several copies. So hopefully we'll have multiple winners of that uh, giveaway. Yeah, man. Imagine having 30 of the best books on various subjects handpicked by us, handpicked by me, actually, yeah. um, to, to <laughs> by, say, by look, us. you know, mine would be C-Spot Run. So enough about all of that, the fun, good stuff that we got coming up. But uh, yeah, yeah, so we got some good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know that's not our typical smack talk. It sounds more like a commercial for <laughs> for the various jump schools. In fairness, though, unplanned. We literally were just starting the podcast. That was not a infomercial. That was an unplanned. Hey, I'm excited because I just sent all this stuff over to you. Yeah, the the videos and stuff. But I've been working yeah. on the book all last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I think the cover looks really cool on the book. Looks awesome. And you know how I'm all about the brand and how things look and yeah. how things look. And I don't really care if they're effective or not. I just want them to look good. Hey, man, that's all I care about is how effective it's going to be. I know, I know. You know, is it going to convert? That's that's like. it. That's pretty much all I'm looking for. It's all right, baby. So yeah, that's why we're a good team, Pete. I tell you, I tell you. <laughs> so uh, we should probably get on with our our topic, but uh, before we do that, you know, we got to pay homage to someone. Mm, I like paying homage. Y- you know who I'm talking about, don't you? Oh yeah, they're the people who like you to give mo mo give mo give me, and that's spelled. Oh, that's not it. One more time. Mogiv, M-O-G-I-V. So, guys, you've been listening to us for a while. Mogiv has been a big supporter of the podcast. Actually, they're the longest supporter of the podcast. And uh, I would just like to say that if you're not on Mogiv by this point, there really is a problem with you. (laughs) It's not so much us as it is you. And right now, MoGive has a promotion where the Ooh. first 90 days are free. No kidding. If you sign up. Yep. First 90 days are free, baby. So head on over to MoGive.com forward slash church. If you don't know what they are, they are an online and text-based giving solution. So if you have any kind of church in the United States, Canada, or the UK in the 20th century, you know, sorry, 21st century. Wow. Can you believe that's where Something we're at? Something like that. I don't know. I lived in both. Can you believe that people need a way to give online? Yeah. And this is the way to do it. Yeah. Don't use PayPal. And, and I think they ought to be employing you, Pete, to be like the secret church shopper where you go to websites <laughs> like you did last week. Dude, You're like, you I, know what? I told you, man. I and This is a true story, guys. Every once in a while, I'll go visit people's websites who I know they're, they're like are in one way or another connected to us. Yeah. Either uh, we've done some church planning training with them. They've been in jump school, whatever. And if they don't have Mo give, I don't give. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Get yeah. Mo give. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they should employ you that you go and you give to that site and boom, 
Secret shopper, baby. And I'm just saying, the reason why I do it that way is I'm like, literally, by this point, if you've been listening to that many episodes and you haven't signed up for MoGiv, I don't I don't get it. Like, if you're still using PayPal, I don't get it. Yeah, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't get it. So, so anyway. Cool. All right. Well, Doc Brown. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. So, uh, Mr. Jones, are you ready for this week's topic? Oh, yeah. This week's topic comes from James Grizzle. For shizzle, my nizzle. For shizzle, my grizzle. I love that name. Grizzle. Joe Grizzle. Not Joe. James. Oh, is it James? I always call him Joe Grizzle. I know a Joe Grizzle. That's why. It could be a Jim. It could be a Jimbo. But it's James when he emails us. James Grizzle. I should actually go over to his... uh, his church website and see, uh, you know, I should actually go on there and see if he uses MoGIF. <laughs> yeah, you should. Bo Grizzle. So anyway, here's what he emailed into us. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts are concerning pastors needing counseling. And by the way, when he says your guys' thoughts, he really means Peyton's thoughts. But anyway, we'll we'll keep going on. I've been listening to a lot of leadership podcasts, and it seems as though a common recommendation is for lead pastors to go to counseling. I don't feel as though counseling is a bad thing. I just didn't know if it's more of a modern thing for pastors or if Spurgeon, Morgan, Lloyd-Jones ever spoke on this. Thanks for your time. In Christ, James Grizzle. Yeah. Well, James, my grizzle dizzle. Um, this is a fantastic question for shizzle. And yeah, it's a good quiz on my dizzle, my grizzle. Um, <laughs> let me give you my shizzle dizzle on this. <laughs> it's just wrong. It's just going it? to ruin this whole episode. <laughs> but, but I got to say, it's a very good question. Um, is, is counseling, um, a new thing? First off, uh, let's talk about the fact that uh, it's very widespread for pastors to need counseling. I think that, well, okay, just backing up now, um, there is a reality that most pastors do not um, make it past year five. And I think it's really? something like, yeah, it's something like 60 to 70% of men in the ministry don't make it, and that's ministry, it's not church planning, don't make it uh, past five years. So they go to seminary or don't, they enter the pastorate, and they 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 either implode, um, maybe they, they have a nervous breakdown, or they self-sabotage, they have an adulterous affair. And I believe a lot of times that is connected to stress, um, or the wife walks out because she becomes the evangelical widow, and you know her 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 you know she married a guy, but in the end, what she got was a CEO of a large religious corporation, and he works CEO hours, but he does not get CEO pay, and she just finally well, walks out. And, huh? That's because they're not doing church right. <laughs> Some. Some would have you think that, but <laughs> the reality is that, you know, if, if I'm looking at this, I think a couple things are true. And number one, I think that we've always had men uh, who have struggled in their marriages. I, I mean, you only have to read, you know, Paul's advice to Timothy. You look at Paul's own team. A lot of those guys don't last um, you know, when he says, you know, Demis forsook me, um, so-and-so, he's listing off all the guys who dropped out. Even one of Jesus's guys drops out. Um, of course, he betrays him. But I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at, at guys that are often overworked and they're just so ignorant. No one gives them people skills. No one trains them on, on communication. No one trains them on interpersonal relationships. No one trains them on leadership. No one trains them on managing teams. No one trains them. I mean, if you if you want to look at the the absolute dearth of training when we put a man in a position. Or they will train him for $29.99 a month. <laughs> yes, they will. But if you want to look at the dearth of training and then we put all this responsibility and then there's 
because he's not leading employees. He's leading people who are convinced nine times out of 10 that this guy is supposed to do everything. Then we've got a recipe for disaster. And so when you look at it, like, for example, Moses, you know, Moses was like most of us, a dummy. Um, I say that with great respect to Moses because I'm not one lick on Moses, the man. But but here's the deal. Um, I love the fact that the Bible says that Jethro comes to him as he's trying to just do everything himself. And uh, Jethro's father-in-law says, hey, you're dumb. You know, I mean, you're going to kill yourself. You need 70 people to do the work you're trying to do right now. 70 you imagine that? So we appoint 70 elders and they divide up the people and then Moses only takes the special cases from then. And I think a lot of what our, you know, sometimes we learn the hard way. There's an old saying, um, I'm definitely the guy that lives a hard way, um, you know, learns a hard way. Uh, it says, experience is the best teacher. Um, there are no diplomas, no degrees, few survivors. And the best way for you to learn is not to uh, almost, you know, cost yourself, your family, your ministry, um, your integrity, uh, or your mental health. The best way for you is to learn from others. So is counseling a good idea? Well, that's what Jethro and Moses were doing. Jethro became almost like a counselor to Moses in, in that scenario. Moses becomes a counselor to his 70 elders. Those 70 elders are counselors to the people. So do we have a sense in which um, counseling is in the Bible? Yes. That was the relationship that the prophets served. Um, Samuel was that to Saul. He was later that to David. Nathan was then that to David. These men were, were spiritual counselors in effect. And I believe that, that Paul was probably that to um, Timothy. And, and as you read the epistles, the Pauline epistles to, to Timothy in particular, you see this, this great amount of pathos where he's saying things like, Timothy, my son. You know, this is, this is more than just ministerial techniques. This is someone that Paul's in a relationship with. And he's writing to him. He's counseling him. Hey, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. Um, you know, uh, you know. Make sure when you speak to older men that you speak to them, you know, like you would a father. This is counseling. A lot of people don't realize that the the pastoral epistles are counseling from an older mentor to a younger mentor. And so, you know, I think I've shown my cards. Yes, <laughs> I think counseling has always been there, but. I think in the secular arena, um, counseling has more gone towards people's problems. It was always something leaders did all throughout history. The Caesars, the kings, the you know people in leadership always had their 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 counselors. You know, um, uh, the Godfather had his concierge. You know, you you have these people that that are are giving you advice and being sounding boards and listening to you and. Um, helping you work out mentors, helping you develop. Um, that's always been for leadership. But what happened? Oh, sorry. Go I, ahead. I was just going to say, when I was at Biola, <clears throat> uh, Biola has uh, a school called Rosemead. I think it's Rosemead. Do you know if it's Rosemead or not? Do you know? Uh, that sounds right, actually. I think that is. I right. think it is Rosemead. So anyway, I was told at the time that Rosemead, they uh, put out something like 20% of all uh, psychologist doctorates in the yeah. country at the time. Very well respected. Yeah. And so, and cause that's all they had. They don't have a master's program. You either get a doctorate or nothing. I don't know if they've yeah. changed it since then, but this is when I was going through it. And uh, one of the things that they require of everybody when they're in Rosemead is they all have to go to counseling. Yeah. And yeah. this one gal was talking to uh, another gal who was going to USC uh, you know, in their their uh, doctorate program. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to go to counseling on Wednesday. And the gal was like, you got to go to counseling? What's wrong with you? And the teacher who was telling us this, he's like, you know, for a student at Rosemead, they get the question, what's wrong with you? And the answer is everything's wrong with me. <laughs> I mean, because because everything is wrong with us. 
Like yeah. the whole reason we're, we're jacked up is cause we're jacked up. Like we, we got all kinds of issues. And Absolutely. I think we, we look at the psychologist as someone who always has the answer. We look at the pastor as someone who always has the answer, even when it's out of his area. Yeah. Like I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast as a financial planner, the, the, the putoff line I hated the most is when I would present someone a financial plan that made perfect sense, exactly what they're trying to do. And then they would go, well, I need to talk to my pastor about this. I'm like, dude, my dad was a pastor. I know how broke pastors are. You're going to seriously take financial advice yeah. from a pastor. But like, we expect the pastor to have all the information and all the insight. Wow. Wow, man. And I'm sorry. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's just not the case. That is so that that's pretty fascinating. That they, <laughs> I heard they, it a lot. It, uh, I hear it all the time. Wow. So then, I mean, as a salesman, you got to learn how do you overcome that? I'd usually bring up my own examples, not of my own family, nothing like that. But I'd be like, yeah, you know, you got to understand, is he accountable and responsible to you? And they'd be like, what does that mean? I mean, well, when the market goes down and he has to get back together with you next year. Oh, he's not going to get back together with me. Oh, he's not. Oh, right. So let's talk about someone who is accountable and responsible for you. And I mean, you'd have to like really hit them in the face like that to get them to stop thinking stupid stuff. Like <laughs> I'm going to go ask someone who has nothing to do with anything, what I should do. Yeah, totally. So, so, you know, and here's, here's where the shift I think happened. The, the root of James's question, I'm guessing and James, if, if I'm wrong on this, forgive me. Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm assuming something here. Um, what I'm assuming is that um, counseling got hijacked from us. Mm. And I, I, I think because, like I said, it's always been a part of discipleship. It's always been a part of, of mentorship and leadership. It's definitely something you can trace all the way through the Bible. I've given examples. But um, it was very much a part of pastoral ministry that you would counsel people through their problems. Well, of course— uh, like so many things, as the church does not do what it's called to do. And I make this point in Church Zero, cha-ching, that guys call themselves pastors who are really teachers. And what a pastor is, is it means a shepherd. What a shepherd's primary role is, is to take the word of God and apply it to people's uh, development and issues. It's to help them develop as people as disciples of Jesus. And part of developing as a disciple of Jesus is I look at what a suck father I am and I apply the gospel to that. I look at what a suck husband I am and I apply the gospel to that. I look at what a suck uh, employee I am and I apply that to the gospel. And there you have most epistles, you know, the last few remaining exhortations. So, you know, that's, that's pastoral. And Paul does that in the epistles. That is a form of counseling. I mean, when you go see a Christian counselor, where does he turn to? He turns to Paul's epistles. I hope. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's, he's, Paul's done a lot of that work for us. And so I don't think that counseling is anything new. What I think happened is when the church uh, kind of, you know, uh, abdicated its responsibility towards people that we started running a show. Rather than actually being a place where you could get counseling, I think, or spiritual care, I think what happened was that um, we, you know, then the secular field came about and said, well, I guess we got to do this. And, uh, you know, heck, there's good money in it. And, uh, and, and that's what happened. And so I remember Lloyd Jones, you specifically asked about Lloyd Jones. Lloyd Jones made a statement. Um, to Ian H. Murray, uh, his biographer, um, you can get volume one and two from Banner of Truth. The fight of faith is a second one, things like over a thousand pages. And there's a statement in there. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't know where it is, but I remember reading this because I was doing a minor in psychology uh, when I was doing my RN. And I remember reading where he said, if you ever hear that I've died under suspicious circumstances, Note that it is most likely a psychologist uh, who's done me in or a psychiatrist because what what Lloyd-Jones would do, like, for for example, one of the things that, that many people might know about Lloyd-Jones, many people don't, is that he was called the doctor because he was a medical doctor. In fact, he wasn't just 
a medical doctor. He was the medical doctor, or at least the number two medical doctor in the United Kingdom. There's a guy named Lord Horder, who was the physician's, uh, the, the royal physician. So, uh, you know, you've, you've read, um, the King's speech, all that stuff, you know, seen that movie. So Lloyd Jones was an assistant to that guy's doctor and his, you know, basically Lloyd Jones, when he started apprenticing, he was on track to be the next Royal physician. And as he, uh, was going through the card catalogs of all these cases, kind of like Sigmund Freud, you know, where Sigmund Freud's looking at all these neurotic rich women just writing them off like you know they're just neurotic they're this or that and he he pretty much mocked them in his medical notes but uh what lloyd jones did is he's looking through and he's noticing that a lot of the the upper crust of britain didn't seem to have real medical problems drinks too much um can't sleep anxious a lot and as he's reading it he's going you know, I think I, I see some of these people. I think it's a spiritual problem. I think these people have spiritual problems. If their spirit was sorted, and and he was not, by the way, a um, the kind of guy who did not believe in psychiatry. Oh, you know, don't take a pill. You know, just pray. It wasn't that, but he felt that a lot of the chief things that that ripped people to shreds was as a result of not knowing and walking in the presence of God. And I think that's a fair statement. Obviously, if you have a chemical imbalance in your brain, we've done a whole series on mental health. Um, I'm an RN. I was a psych nurse. I believe very strongly in psychiatric care. But Lloyd-Jones came to realize that was it was standing at a card catalog, um, looking over these files that he realized most people in that in the world have spiritual problems and I could do a lot more good if I would go into the ministry and address those. And of course the brilliance of Lloyd Jones was that he took the scripture and applied it like a doctor. He looked at people's um, issues, you know, and he would, he would deal with it. Like here's your symptoms, here's the diagnosis and here's the prescription and here's the treatment. And that made him a phenomenal teacher. Um, in the past, you had the Puritans who were known as the physicians of the soul. Um, again, they were, they, they could, you know, quite geniusly take the scripture and apply it to people's lives, you know, lives and problems. And I think we've lost that. I think a lot of what we have nowadays, we have people entertaining people on a Sunday morning. It's all about making the jokes and this and that. And don't go too deep. Don't, you know, and, and when you go back to like the 20th century, you know, or, or I would actually argue uh, more the 19th century, 1800s. You see more of that when you read Spurgeon. Spurgeon is dealing with people like a counselor. So he'd be preaching. He'd be like, even if he's preaching the gospel, he's going, you're, you're there today and you're listening and you're thinking, oh, but no one can do this. But I would tell you, and God would say, boom, 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 boom. And you're thinking to yourself, boom, boom. Do, do you see what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. counseling. That's uh, that. That's just our heritage, man. It's it's something that's been there. I think one of the questions then is where does a pastor go to find good counseling, or you know, is it <laughs> is it the typical counseling model that you think the pastor needs or should be in, or is it like you've talked about your group of dudes? I don't even remember what you guys call yourselves, but it's a it's a round table of <clears throat> pastors that get together and and you know talk about stuff. Yeah. So, so I think that's different because I think sometimes you just need like the cheers thing, you know, you just need other guys, you know, even, even other couples. I mean, it could be couples. You don't have to just meet with, with dudes. You, you can meet with two other couples, I think once a month or once a quarter, talk about how your lives and marriages are going, be real honest and then take turns praying for each other. Or if you met every month, you rotate. This this month, the focus is on the Joneses. Next month, the focus is on the Browns. But the the benefit of a counselor, let me just give you a little story about There's me. There's not enough time for the Joneses. <laughs> hey, everyone's trying to keep up with us. So here's the deal. What happened was I got married um, in, in the middle of just a firestorm at my church. The pastor that I trained under had uh, had a moral failure. He committed adultery. He resigned. Um, it was 
pretty quick, but it was not painless. Um, so many people got divorced after that mm. because they were thinking, and, and a lot of people don't realize this, that it wreaks havoc. I'll never forget the moderator that we met with. He looked at me. I'll never. It was weird. It was like Yoda when he goes, you will be. You know, it was kind of haunting and menacing. But he looks at me and says, well, gentlemen, because there's a couple elders with us. He said, uh, and I was, I was the interim pastor. He, he looked at us and said, you gentlemen are about to find out how much sin, how much havoc sin actually can wreak in people's lives. And it was prophetic. I mean, he had obviously seen it and it, it was unreal, but so many marriages busted up people that I was close with people that had been mentors to me that I never saw it coming. And what ended up happening was uh, the elders approached me and said, look, you're most likely our next pastor and you can't afford to get this wrong. And they were real honest. They're like, look, all of our marriages are struggling right now. You know, um, you can't afford to get it wrong. You're, you're carrying the weight of this church right now. And so they said, look, one of the conditions of you being the interim pastor is you have to go to counseling right now. So it wasn't a choice. Well, you know, what was cool, and they paid for it. It, it was great. Um, what was cool was little did I know how jacked up I was. I thought I was a really good Christian boy till I got married, you know. And then all my junk, all the abuse, all of the crud from my upbringing started coming out. Mm. My anger, you know, um, I could go into tons of stories. But the reality is that counseling was so helpful and so good. And we actually like, you know, it seemed like the more we went, the worse we got. But it was these issues kept coming out. And uh, we actually <laughs> we actually got fired by our counselor. She actually fired us. Um, she was like, look, you guys, you know what to do. You know the Bible enough. You know this, you know that. And you're just not doing it. And I'm sorry, I'm done with you. Until you start doing it, there's no point meeting again. And uh, and that was kind of a wake-up call. Wow, my counselor just fired me. Hmm. And, um, and, and so what she did, though, this was genius. What she did was she gave us um, an assignment. It was to go and look up the passage about earthly versus demonic wisdom, um, the Ephesians 5 passage on marriage, and the other one was the love passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 19 years ago, and I still remember these three passages. And she said, I want you to read these twice a day, and I want you to read them each and pray about them. And I did it, and man, I'm telling you that something was broken. Some pattern was broken, some corner was turned, but stuff started going uphill from there. And because uh, Andrew and I, man, first first year we were at each other's throats. But again, keep in mind how I start off this podcast. I'm 23 years old, and I've got a mega church on my shoulders with people whose marriages are busting up. People are devastated. People aren't sure if they even, you know, believe in in, in leadership anymore. And I'm carrying this thing at 23 years old, and I just got married. It's kind of like Jim Gaffigan. He goes, what's it like having three three kids? He goes, picture you're drowning, and while you're drowning, someone throws you a baby. That's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how it felt. And uh, so we went to counseling. So to get further into Joe's question, fast forward James, a couple years. Is that all right if we call him James? Uh, you know, he's Joe. James, men have said that you are James, but I tell you, from now on, you shall be called Joe. Joe Grizzle. For That's shizzle. what Jesus did. It worked for him. I figure I can do that, right? <laughs> Paul renamed himself. I, I can rename James. So so to uh to to answer Joe's question, since he's Joe, um the the reality is <laughs> the problem is, James, I have a Facebook friend named Joe Grizzle. I interact with him. When I see Grizzle, just it's like a grizzly bear to honey. Sorry, I couldn't resist. But uh, boom, cha. Um, getting back to it. So fast forward now. I'm in Wales, and um, we're away from all of our support systems. And my wife and I were like, "We need counseling. We just need counseling. We don't have anyone here. No friends. No family 
to go to. No support systems are out on the mission field. It's raining every day. It's colder than heck. We're Californians. We've now moved from reptiles to amphibians. Um, you know, it, it just, it was weird, man. It was like going to Seattle. Depression sets in. And we said, you know, we need to go find a counselor. And there was this place in Swansea. We're in Port Talbot. There's this place called the Christian Counseling Center. It's kind of like jump school, you know. Were they actually Christian? What's that? Were they actually Christian? Dude, like, I can't even tell you how Christian they were. Uh, The reason why I ask is I just know that that country does not have a high population of Christians, so. No, they don't, but this was an outreach. Like, this is before I understood how Mm. cool that was. The guy was a retired pastor, and I'm I'm about to give a formula for what I think guys ought to look for in a counselor, because I have seen the same exact um, combination. I just was talking with Mac Lake and Mac was just telling me about a guy who really helped him turn a corner in his life. And as he started talking, he started listing off the same three things. And I said, that right there is the combination I tell pastors you need to have. And so here's what it was. He was an ex-pastor. He was charismatic I know some of our guys are going, what you talking about, Willis, right? Because they're like word-based guys and they're, you know, I'm telling you, you need a guy. Because when when we went to this counselor, he goes, oh, you know, Peyton, I, I'm so glad you've come here. I've heard about you. Um, I know you're at Lloyd-Jones's church. And uh, he was like, you know what? I, um, uh, I'm so glad you're here. But he goes, but uh, I'm surprised you're here. <laughs> he goes, most people, you know, they, they, they would look at me with suspicion. Because, you know, you're, you're from a reform camp and I'm, I'm more charismatic. And, uh, but there was just something about this guy. There was this Christ-likeness that came off this guy. But brother, I'm telling you, he told me when we first started, he said, uh, I will have over 100 people praying for you when you leave this office. If you give me permission, this prayer list will never go out of here, will never go out of the circle. But he said, you will be prayed for. And things will change. And all I can tell you is going and seeing that guy and making the decision to go back was the best decision I think I've ever made in my life outside of accepting Jesus and marrying Andrea. The the reality is this guy, and the third thing was he was professionally licensed. And so when I was comparing notes with Mac, um, Max shares this in the assessment. He actually has a video of the guy talking. And when he shared with me, he goes, oh, a lot of people wouldn't like him. He's cares. I'm like, so I asked him, I said, professional license? Yes. Retired minister by any chance? Yes. That's the sweet spot. When you find a guy who knows ministry, believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, and is professionally licensed to counsel people, look out, man. And they don't grow on trees. You have to hunt for them a little bit. But when you find that, that is like the triumvirate of, you know, super, super, super mega helpfulness when it comes to counseling. So what if a pastor needs help in areas other than marriage? It's the stresses of the church, you know. Yeah. Maybe maybe they just lost someone to suicide, right, who they'd been counseling. You know, it's funny you say that everywhere. I was a firefighter. There were things that I had to do and things I saw as a firefighter that will jack anyone up for life. Same with being an RN. I mean, you just see stuff um, when you're in that field. And you you get traumatized. And it's the same. If you're dealing with stuff and as, as a pastor, there will be times you will be traumatized. The cops get it. They have chaplains. They have counselors. They have people that help you work through that trauma. The military gets it. They do the same. Firefighters get it. They do the same. Anyone who is is up close to trauma ought to know that there are times you just need to talk stuff out and process. And you can't just do that for that with everybody. You can't just vomit all over everybody. You might have, for example, I knew this one pastor. He used to come back from his deacons meetings, and he would go play um, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. But he'd say, but I would picture instead of the, the terrorist heads, it was my deacon's heads. And I would just snipe their heads all night when I'd come home. And, and, and although that's great and it's funny, and this guy, you know, he's got staying power. He, his dad was a pastor. He knows what he's doing. 
not everyone can work out the angst that way. Sometimes you just need to talk to someone who's a doesn't <laughs> doesn't believe your press, isn't impressed with you. I, I think you used to use that term. One that you there's like you know, I, you just need someone who's not impressed with you. So it's one of the reasons why you and I. I you uh, know I just I I guess because of my upbringing I I find it funny that that people look at pastors that way, probably because I grew up in. A home with a pastor. Yeah. I just, you know. I'm so like, dude, I know, was, I know you guys got issues. <laughs> like that's, and, that's never not been a thought in my my head. And for me personally, I don't want people to think I'm awesome. I I, I mean, okay, yeah, there's hey, the flesh. You don't part. need to worry about it on this side, buddy. <laughs> but but that was that was part of the thing that attracted me to you and our friendship was there's a guy could just be a friend too, and he could be a friend to me. It's not like it's not like anything else. Like to me, that's what I look for in my friends are guys that aren't impressed with me. You could just, I don't have to be your pastor. I can just be your friend. And and it's kind of my ministry operating principle anyways is I just want to be your friend, man. And and serve along, not like be your buddy, but you know, like I, 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 we're in relationship, man. Like we're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to, you know, as, as a church and, and I'm cool with that, man. You know, you can hurt me. I'll probably hurt you, let you down. You'll let me down. And that's why the cross is so important and, and move on. But the reality is sometimes you do just need a non-partial third party. You can just be like, hey, dude, you know, boom, boom, boom. And a counselor, a good counselor will tell you, hey, you know, maybe you're focusing on the wrong things. And that's part of your nice friendship. There are times where I'm totally barking up the wrong tree. And you'll say, you know, I don't know that that's really the right way to look at that. And you'll give me some pushback. And you need that. You need people to do that. And, uh, yeah, you know, in case in point, the same guy, um, I can remember Andrew and I both at a certain stage are like, you know, we're pretty jacked up people. We probably just need to go and talk to this guy sometimes on our own. And I got to tell you, I didn't do it as often as I wished I did, but those times I did where I just went and just talked to him about stuff that I was dealing with. My gosh, Hmm. amazing. And, uh, guys, here's the thing. You spend so much time pouring into people. And if you're anything like me, I struggle when I get around shepherds. Um, it, it might be part of the apostolic gene. I serve with a shepherd right now that's coming to an end. He's he's moving up north, but um, I am so grateful for him. His name's Chris Martinez. I'm so grateful for him and being able to serve with him. But I've had to tell him, hey, when you're trying to pour into me, I struggle with that. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's all these years I've been pouring into other people and I'm just not used to it, but you know, it feels so good and it's so welcome. And yet it's hard for me. It takes me, I have to kind of decompress when he's trying to minister to me. Um, And I think there is that due diversion to ever feeling like anyone else can help you. But more so, I think when you're in the position of being a leader, Mm. um, you have a hard time coming out of that leader mode and just letting people pour into you. Yeah, you know? I could see that a lot. I really could for for a lot of people. I think that's why it would be really hard for a pastor because there's there is that feeling of I'm supposed to be perfect. And what if someone at my church finds out? You know, heaven forbid a deacon finds out and I'm called before the board and I have to explain why I'm going to see a counselor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like absolutely. Stuff like that could come up all the time. Totally, man. And you know, as as we're talking, I know we probably have to quit here, but um James, this has been a fantastic question tonight. I mean, it really has been um I, I think it was a really insightful question. But um you mentioned Spurgeon, and it, it's really I find it very interesting that you mentioned him because we always think of Spurgeon as super tough. And he was tough. I mean, that dude, there were times he was gripping the pulpit so hard because he had gout. And, you know, he he would be in excruciating agony. He'd still be preaching, man. But they would see sweat and they'd see his knuckles white and shaking from gripping the pulpit. He wouldn't show people, you know. But, uh, but Spurgeon went through severe times of depression. Um, severe. I mean, to the point where they disabled him. Um, he couldn't get out of bed. Um you know, he uh, he would despair of ministry. He would uh, feel that God had made a mistake. Um, Luther, 
had the same things. And, um, you know, sometimes, it, it, by the way, in lectures of my students, it'd be interesting. I almost kind of want to go grab that now and look inside of it because I wonder what Spurgeon says about this, um, about counseling. He would talk about prayer and kind of look into the Lord as his first counselor, which I think is is something that needs to be said for sure. You have to spend time. I find most of my anxieties get worked out in the presence of God. Um, but number two, he would also walk uh, in nature. And there was something about nature that he found healing. Um, but again, the guys who have been on nature walks with Spurgeon attest to the fact that he was in prayer a lot while he was walking. But um, but I'd, I'd be interested to read uh, lectures of my students. He has a chapter in there called On the Minister's Fainting Fits. And it doesn't mean like where the guy goes, you know, like a narcoleptic in the pulpit. He literally means seasons of depression. And he spends a whole chapter on that. I'd be interested to know if counseling comes in that. And I have not even seen that. Lastly, in parting, um, the guy who I think came the closest uh, regarding counseling um, was a guy named Larry Crabb. Um, Larry Crabb, probably heard his name. Um, he wrote some good books. Um, it, back in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, he set out to write a biblical, systematic theology of psychology. And you just have to think about that for a second. He was like, too much of our psychology has come from Freud and other sources that don't have the biblical worldview. And he wrote some books um, that were like the biblical foundations of understanding psychology. They are dynamite. I only read them. I had to find them on used book sites uh, you know, because I had to do them for my master's. But uh, I had to trace his thought from the 60s to present day. In the 90s, he wrote a book called Inside Out. And it was basically a book where he almost despaired that people ever really change um, because he had been doing it for two decades. And, uh, and, and it's very cynical. It, it actually ended up being one of his best-selling books. But he kind of comes to the point there where he goes, I don't think people really do change because I think the heart's deceitfully wicked and it always finds a way out when true change is just around the corner Rather than submitting to Christ, we weasel out of it. And uh, it's a fantastic book, but, you know, praise God, he did not stop there. That was kind of his dark hour of the soul where he got a little bit discouraged and disheartened. And um, he comes out the other side, and his stuff post uh, the 90s has been some of his best work. He never did finish his biblical systematic theology of psychology. So if anyone out there wants to take a stab at it, he could build on his work. He laid a good foundation for it. Still needs to be done, in my opinion. But, uh, but guys, this is our territory. This is what we've always been good at. And we've abdicated and given it over to the world. If we're not doing it, the world will rise up and do it anyways. So uh, that's my piece on war. I won't fail you. <laughs> so when it comes to counseling is, is really what you're telling people. Use the boss, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know what's funny is um, it, like a, like our jump school call, all that to just say, yeah, Joe, I think it's good. I think it's biblical and I think you ought to do it. <laughs> oh, my god! That's the newspaper version answer, the headline version. I love it. Well, we're about out of time, so uh, I appreciate you taking your, your, your time on that and giving us your thoughts. But a simple <laughs> yes would have sufficed. Yes, yes. That's why it's an hour-long podcast. That's it. <laughs> well, and smack talk. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, hey, uh, is there anything, Pete, that you need simplified in your life? You know, I was actually just thinking to myself that, uh, you know, when you have uh, made a mistake on your year-end tax receipts, <laughs> it's great to be able to go to a company like Simplified Church and go, hey, you know what, guys? We made a mistake. Can you fix this so our people can get the correct tax deduction? And they take it and they run with it. That would be terrible if that ever happened for either of any of the nonprofits you or I were involved in. <laughs> and thankfully there's a place, but what is the name of that place? I can never remember who simplifies our church stuff. It's simple, Pete. Even their name is simplicity itself. It is simplifychurch.com, my good fellow. What? Simplifychurch.com. And if I go there, they can help me with all the stuff that I don't like to do as a pastor? They'll simplify your life, Pete. Just go to simplifychurch.com and remember to tell them. Simplify me. 
<laughs> I just like saying that. You know what? They're probably going to get a bunch of calls. Just simplify me. <laughs> It'll be like That'd Ginger. Be awesome. Ginger will be answering the phone going, dude, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> this is freaking me out. These heavy breathers keep calling, saying they're church planners from the podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. All right. Give us our well, tagline so we can go. All right. All right. We're going to let you guys get out of here. Hey, thanks for joining us today for the Church Planner Podcast. It's been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you, if you want to go where nobody's going and reach. No, mate, did it wrong. If you want to reach them. <laughs> hey, we've only done it 171 times. So, I mean, Absolutely. And and we always do it in the morning. You know, know. It's not the same at night. It's not. But, uh, hey, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. And if you want to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing, you might be able to reach the ones that no one's reaching. Simply. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, guys. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.